So the biggest change uh, from what we've seen in the past is that the, there's an increased threat level. And so uh, whether you look east or you look west, all of these threats are far from America's shores, but they are significant to our national interests, not only ours, but also our uh, allies and partners around the world. Establishing and maintaining air dominance has been a primary objective for militaries since the earliest days of air warfare. But as the US government and industry focus on sixth-generation fighters and other future platforms, what capabilities are required to ensure sustained air dominance of the US and allied forces? And what role will new technologies such as enhanced vision systems, open systems and digital aircraft architectures play in tomorrow's battle space? Welcome to this bonus episode of Shepherd Studios Critical Care Podcast, which is brought to you in partnership with our sponsor, Collins Aerospace. Previously, we looked at how sustainment strategies work today and the technology that makes them possible. In this bonus episode, we focus on the warfighting technologies of the future, asking how providers like Collins Aerospace are readying themselves and their customers for new platforms and future operational challenges. Recent geopolitical events have been a stark reminder of how quickly the threat landscape can change for US and allied militaries. What then are the current operational challenges for fighter aircraft? The threat has certainly grown, with adversaries now possessing longer-range missiles among other advances. Let's hear from Britt Hurst, a former US Air Force fighter pilot, callsign Mega, who works on sixth-generation fighter avionics for Collins Aerospace. So that increase in threat has changed over the last, especially the last decade, where things are uh, much further away than they used to be. So uh, missiles that go further, uh, anti-access, aero denial capabilities of uh, adversaries, whether we call them peers or whether we call them near peers, uh, they've increased the ranges of their surface-to-air missile systems. They've increased the capability of their air-to-air systems. They've increased their ability to monitor what we do, uh, both in the air as well as on the ground, uh, on the surface, subsurface. Their ability to monitor as well as target uh, assets that we have in space and most assuredly in the cyberspace. And so with that increase in threat range, we need to change the way that we do business in order to be able to survive uh, and able to be able to to get into the target areas that we need to get into. With those increased ranges, there's also an increased uh, scope of responsibility, if you will, for the manned fighters, as well as the span of control that they're going to have to have. Uh, things being further away, going to be integrated in a package of uh, manned and unmanned, or as the verbology is changing now, crewed and uncrewed systems that are going to be working together. So instead of having one person in an aircraft with six or seven uh, or 10 other uh, manned aircraft flying in a, a formation or flying in a, a loose formation, if you will, to go and employ, uh, you'll have a, a single manned fighter that's going to be responsible for a, n- a number of unmanned uh, aircraft known as uh, collaborative combat aircraft. Uh, the Air Force talks about using potentially up to five of these uh, at a time. It could be any number as necessary, and it'll be mission specific as they go forward in order to employ. And what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to earn a window of air superiority in order to execute their mission. 
Whereas in days gone by, we, the United States, as well as its allies and partners have had air superiority at the least, and then air supremacy at the best over the areas that we have fought in and the environments that we've been fighting in over the last uh, couple of decades. Well, that is no longer uh, the case based on the increase in threat. And so we have to modify what we do in order to be successful when it comes to uh, combat operations. So how can the U.S. sustain its dominance in this evolving technological landscape? Britt Hurst points to the Modular Open Systems Approach, or MOSA, along with an improved digital backbone. These technologies enable a high tempo of mission and capability upgrades to face future operational challenges and threats as the mission demands. So MOSA, Modular Open Systems Approach, is basically the table stakes of how we're going to move forward into that next generation of capabilities. So a modular open systems architecture is necessary in order to do that. So you need a digital backbone and you need the ability for the systems inside of your platform to be able to talk to one another in a very easy way that allows for rapid upgrade, specifically of hardware, uh, but more importantly for software. So the the aircraft of the future is going to be designed such that based on the the systems that are on the aircraft, those sensors, those arrays that are part of the actual skin of the aircraft, those things will be able to be modified or changed very rapidly, uh, specifically by software development. And so software development uh, upgrades have to happen uh, in a very quick fashion. Right now, it takes months for us to get a specific signal out of a a threat potentially, take that into uh, account and take... Uh, that and modify it for each and every one of the aircraft that we have in our inventory. And then to send out a a software update, if you will, that will allow our current aircraft or our legacy aircraft, uh, our enduring aircraft to be able to detect that threat system and then potentially respond to that threat system. And so that takes a very long time. The wars of the future are not going to be months and months of buildup and months or years of actual combat. It's going to be very short-lived, it's going to happen very fast, and we're going to have to be ready for those things when they start, because otherwise we'll lose very quickly if we're not. Collins Aerospace provides the advantages of an open systems approach through its Mozart avionics architecture. This is just one example of how technology can support not just capability insertion, but to increase the agility of future fighter fleets to remain relevant in the battle of tomorrow. We're using a branding right now called Mozart based off a digital backbone solution. So it is providing an open systems approach, which we've talked about some of the advantage of those uh, open systems being able to rapidly upgrade. Uh, from the government's perspective, it allows the government to compete a wide variety of uh, competitors for the systems that are going to go onto aircraft of the future. And so in theory, that will uh, save the government uh, money. And it will also ensure that upgrades occur faster to keep us at the speed of relevance and to keep us up to date on the threats. So Collins is using Mozark as its backbone, if you will, as we move forward, doing digital engineering and model-based systems engineering in order to stay at the, the leading edge of those technologies and at that development process. Part of that Mozark system is a digital backbone, which we had briefly mentioned. And that digital backbone allows not just Collins products, but all third-party products to be able to connect in to that open systems architecture um, uh, so that we can pick the best of breed. And by we, I mean the United States government primarily, but obviously uh, allies and partners as well, can pick the best solution uh, that they can put on a platform and that it will execute uh, with all of the other systems that are on that platform. 
one of the big things at Collins is we understand that we have to protect the safety critical air vehicle side of a platform from the mission system side of the platform. So we want to be able to upgrade the mission systems as quickly as possible. And we want to protect the information that gets pushed across to the air vehicle side so that as an example, if there was a, a cyber attack on one of your mission systems, then that would not cross over into your the flyability of the aircraft. It wouldn't take over your flight controls uh, and cause you either to crash or to fly somewhere that you didn't want to fly. Uh, so we understand the separation of those things and how that interaction and exchange of information between those two needs to happen so that we can protect your aircraft while we increase the back-end capability, if you will, of those mission systems uh, that are actually doing the employment. Collins does a lot of different things from uh, whether we're talking, you know, our partners uh, that are doing engines at Pratt & Whitney, whether we're talking building missiles uh, from uh, Raytheon uh, Missiles and Defense, whether we're talking about mission systems that come out of uh, Raytheon Intelligence and Space uh, or within Collins itself. We have mission systems, avionics, uh, a wide variety of uh, capabilities and a wide variety of products that can be used. It doesn't have to be us, but certainly we allow that or enable that, that it can be us and the combination of all of our uh, other industry partners that uh, we work with in order to provide for the warfighter. So really what we're trying to do from an avionics perspective is to maximize the situational awareness of the pilots that are in the aircraft and minimize that cognitive workload so that they can be as effective in combat as possible. So it's all about survivability and it's all about lethality. How can they go and do the mission as precisely as possible and do it as safely as possible so that we can employ in combat when necessary, but more importantly, so that we can deter any future fights that might occur against an adversary. So there's a number of challenges facing the current warfighter, both in their combat, combat support, and domestic operations that are, are currently left unfulfilled or unexecutable due to the fact that they can't operate in, in multi-environments or, or, or fly the aircraft as low as they need to go in, in some of these obscured environments, or even at night. This is Jim Gorday, a Senior Manager for Business Development and Sales at Collins Aerospace, focusing on military avionics and the C-130J Hercules. In considering the future operating environment, Collins Aerospace has pursued advances in heads-up display technology to overcome the challenges of operating in austere environments. Jim Gorday points to the company's HUD EVS 3600, with EVS standing for Enhanced Vision System. The EVS is going to get rid of some of those shortcomings, get rid of the paradigm of day VFR operations or, or day visual flight rule operations only at some austere fields and open it up to nighttime and obscured environment flights with a fair amount of safety margin and with uh, an ability to execute the mission with a, a high amount of what we call situational awareness, knowing what the ground is, knowing where the airfield is, knowing what the traffic situation, the condition of the runway with an environment that normally wouldn't be conducive to that. So now that we have the EVS system going forward, we can take when the sensor cannot see through the obscurant, we can still project the synthetic vision, the, the digital terrain data onto the HUD and show the pilot where he's going, even in the most obscured environments. That's the next generational step. When you put them both on there, the enhanced vision system, the actual sensor data and the synthetic vision, it's called combined vision. That allows us to build a number of different formats for the pilot to kind of 
choose to, to present information. He can present airfield data, uh, runway center line, approach path, all, all sorts of high fidelity information that's going to get him to the airfield as well or safely. But he can also present tactical data as well. So if there's a, a tactical threat somewhere, he now has in his, in his resources the ability to network that data in. In a future development, we can take that data and then display it on his heads-up display so he'll know when when real-world threats are popping up, where that threat is, what type of threat it is. And, and it's if and it comes in the visual view of the heads-up display, he'll know he'll get instantly on his display. The company's development of this combined vision concept provides the advantage of being able to present the pilot with immediate tactical updates. So... I mean, the computing power, the, the transmission and networking capability Collins offers, and then the next generation of our enhanced vision system, the synthetic to combine vision, will be able to give all sorts of information to include real-world tactical updates. We're, we're looking at that. And this is all, for the most part, commercially derived technology. You know, the, the networking solutions, airline, uh, mainline airlines like to know when their, their aircraft are going to land. They're not, they, they like to know the status of their aircraft. They like to have a network solution using those kind of pathways. Well, a similar internet in the skies, we're able to transmit that data uh, seamlessly across platforms and our products to get it up into the heads-up display. So all of those technologies are, are currently available or in the near term available, and we're, we're trying to make those ready for the warfighter. It's clear that technological advances such as enhanced vision systems will have a profound impact on how air forces operate in the future. By operating in obscured environments, we have an opportunity to eliminate detection from small micro threats that are appearing to be highly effective in current engagements. It changes the paradigm of how we operate these in a modern mindset, less agile, more unwieldy assets. So a C-130 typically is covered by the where it can go to in terms of remoteness and the more austere locations or, or flying low level. Some of those advantages have been deteriorated by current technologies. This is going to allow us to maintain that advantage by changing some of the ways we operate the aircraft to make it more, I would say, give it longer legs, make it more applicable in more environments and give it the cover of darkness or, or, or cloud cover in order to operate in low-level environments and to change the way we do things with it. The current engagements, we see a, a much smaller agile force taking on a very, very large conventional force and having a number of successes. Our, our goal is to recognize the fact that agile combat employment needs to take place. We need to open up the aperture on where we can operate, when we can operate to kind of go around some of these technical advances that where low cost solutions can damage high cost assets. This bonus episode of Shepherd Studios Critical Care Podcast was produced in partnership with Collins Aerospace. A huge thanks for their support. Thanks also to everyone who provided their time to support the project. The Critical Care podcast was produced by Tony Skinner and Jack Austin, with script writing by Jared Cowan and audio edits by Noemi DiStefano. Until next time.